Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Now to Trey Betty, brought to you by Asher Wrecker Service. 501-562-2293. Family owned and operated since 1980. Asher Wrecker, dependable towing and vehicle recovery service. Ask for Asher. Good afternoon, Trey. Hey, guys. We'll start off with a, a recap, if you will, what you were able to observe today. Another morning practice. Actually, I think it was interesting. We were talking about this yesterday, why they're doing morning practices and afternoon stuff. I, last night, I was watching Sam Pittman's speech from the Little Rock Touchdown Club, and he pretty much led off with the explanation of they're playing 11 o'clock games, they're playing 2.30 games, they're playing 6 o'clock games. So last week was, you know, kind of preparation for 2.30. This is for the morning 11 o'clock games, and next week will uh, will be the afternoon practices, so they'll have more 6.30 type practices. So that was kind of the thinking behind that. It's pretty smart because those are generally the 3, 6, 6.30-ish uh, 2.30 and 11, those are generally the kickoff times for SEC games. So um, they were in full pass today. This is the second time they've been in full gear. So it's only the second time through, I believe today was practice number 10. Uh, so four more practices uh, fall camp until school starts on the 22nd. That's technically the end of camp. And at that point, you start thinking, you know, that week you're, you know, kind of pulling them. You're not pulling them back too much, but you're you're making sure their legs are fresh. You know, the days of, of just – burying them during during camp and you know getting people kicked off the team because they weren't tough enough and all that stuff that's kind of that's uh that's the old days you you want to get them as fresh as possible feeling their absolute best by the time kickoff comes for the cincinnati game on september 3rd um you know i think one good positive is uh, there's a few good positives but one positive i see is um you know the injury situation seems to to be good right now knock on wood um you know they've gotten a couple of guys back that were out from concussion protocol obviously you know marcus miller expecting him back around school touring Carter probably into the season and same with dominic johnson uh, hopefully early in the season so overall they've been you know taking care of them pretty good and that's you know not just about you know the things that the players does, but it's the guy across from him also making sure he takes care of the, the man in front of him too. So um, just keep him healthy getting into the season. You, def- you definitely don't want to have injuries this time of year. That can can be a blow, I think, both mentally and, you know, to your roster uh, to have a guy go down this time of year in practice and stuff. So um, we see that all over the country. But so far it's been, been pretty good uh, today. I mean, pretty standard practice. They did the fastball stuff. They mixed a few guys up here and there. We saw Latavius Perini with the first group. Um, you know, I wouldn't say there was too much difference uh, from what you would normally see. Uh, you know, there wasn't any big shakeup. Um, after practice, talk, spoke with Deke Adams, uh, new defensive line coach, and um, a couple players, obviously. Um, um, and then I think the most interesting thing that came out of practice today was probably – Something that I like to talk about is, like, who's the big weight room guy, you know, on defense? We talked about that yesterday with Bo Lemmer. Uh, today we talked about it with Terry Hampton, the Arkansas State uh, addition, who's, you know, probably a 650 squad who does, they said reps with four or 500 pounds. That seems like a pretty big difference on bench press, uh, four or 500 pounds just to, you know, to do reps with, not max out or anything. Uh, but he would be the guy that would probably, you know, give Bo Lemmer the toughest challenge 
think his story is pretty interesting. Six, yeah, he's about five eleven and a half. I think is what he's listed at. Number like seventeen hundred prospect in the country. Number one hundred twenty two defensive tackle from El Dorado, Arkansas, was five eleven and a half, hundred two hundred fifty four pounds. Coming out of excuse me, coming out of high school now, he goes about six foot. He's listed six one. I'd probably give him about six foot, and um, you know, but long arms, put together well, and uh, you know, three hundred fourteen pounds now, and and a powerhouse. So uh, he's kind of been a, a, one of the good stories that we've seen all camp. And you know, of course, Zach Williams talking with him today, and Eric Gregory. Those guys are probably your your first two ends in the three man front, which. Today I saw for the first time, I have not seen them with the first group run a three-man front. Now, I didn't mean they hadn't done it, but just during the media viewing time, we have not seen them do that yet. So, um, you know, that was obviously Isaiah Nichols, Zach Williams, and, and Eric Gregory out there. Jashad Stewart's been a guy getting a lot of talk uh, as a guy that's really come on. As uh, You know, it's been really um, for a week and a half now, we've, we've probably been talking about Jashad Stewart and, and how well he's come along. Uh, so... They're feeling better about their their situation at the defensive line, but um, you know, especially on the interior, they they really can't afford to have any more injuries. Well, it's interesting, Trey, in your uh, article uh, notes and observations from day ten, that the first group defense you talked about three man front, then the second unit came out four man front. Yeah, is that to accommodate the personnel or? I don't know why. (laughs) Now, I have seen the second group do three-man front, you know, um, but I have not seen the first group do that. So maybe they're just flip-flopping them. Maybe they're just mixing it up a little bit in that regard. But at the same time, I mean, on the defensive line especially, you see first-team guys working with the second team and vice versa. So, you know, I I don't know. I talked to Deke Adams about it a little bit, or I I should say we did. I, I actually asked him, you know, just about that. If they're going to be more three-man or four-man, are they going to let the other team dictate what they do? Or are they going to do it based on their own personnel? And, um, you know, he just said, we're going to be multiple. <laughs> he didn't really give much away. So it um, looks like you're going to see a lot of three-man front, a lot of four-man front. Also, you know, some three-three-five with uh, Drew Sanders with his uh, either hand in the dirt or, um, you know, up crouched up on the line of scrimmage So in a two-point stance. So, um I'm really intrigued to see what Drew Sanders does this year. We talked a little bit about him just because, you know, obviously pass rush came up, and, you know, he's a he's a guy that they're looking at to, to provide some of that. All right, I've got some names I want to ask you about okay. as uh, what's going on, possibly what's going on. Uh, I think it was yesterday that Isaiah Satania was running on the second team today. He's not first, he's not second, he's not third team. Uh, then on the tight end position, Trey Knox, Nathan Bax, Ty Washington. What about Hudson Henry? Yeah, I mean, those guys weren't out or anything. Um, I, I think there was uh, – Jaden Johnson was also um, not with the first, second, or third, I don't believe either. And, you know, he's probably – the number three or number four safety probably right now. No, you're right. Uh, so it's just something that they try to do to mix it up. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, put – that's kind of why I quit just putting a depth chart out there because everybody is like, what happened to so-and-so, you know? Right. And the truth is they just mix it up. They Pittman likes to, 
you know, see what the offense might look like if they took a certain player out and put a certain player in. And, you know, they run that fastball stuff, get it on video, and, you know, they can they can always check that out. They only run like four or five plays probably uh, per unit in the fastball stuff, and that's just kind of something to get them warmed up before practice starts. So I wouldn't read too much into it. Traylon Burks never once last year lined up in fastball. Never one time. So, um, and Bumper Pool didn't for a while. Drew Sanders didn't for a while. Uh, so that, I think they just kind of take a guy out here and there, see how the team performs without that guy in the mix and with another guy in there, and then that kind of creates a domino effect with the next group and the next group. And uh, I think that just gives them – I think there's probably a, a whole system um, and, you know, charts and all kinds of stuff where they can uh, glean, you know, how that – might work for them just moving a player around. They also like to, not just that, but, you know, they'll take, you know, Ricky Stromberg out and, you know, just see how the offense performs without Ricky Stromberg in there, um, you know, because they run into problems like that during a game. You have a player pop out, um, they want to get some guys looks with the first group. So I think that's gen- generally why they do that. Today, uh, Latavius Brainy was with the first group. I don't know that I've seen him um, with the first no. group on defense. So. No. Don't think so. Um, typically, by this time, you would think the players, uh, particularly the ones that's transferred in, would start making their move. And so far, that really hadn't happened. And I'm referencing uh, Drew Sanders has made a move, so we yeah. know about that, uh, even though the first defense bumper was one linebacker, Jackson Woodard was the other linebacker. We've got a wide receiver that's number one, transfer yep. from Oklahoma. Right, yeah. right. And Matt Landers was running. I believe Matt Landers yeah, was the first group today, too. Right. That's a pretty okay. big transfer. And Terry, Terry Hampton, Randy, Terry Hampton's been Hold on, guys. I'm <laughs> <laughs> name. I didn't even get to finish till you both butt in. Okay. I'm talking about Landon Jackson and Jordan Dominic. And you mentioned now Terry Hampton. Uh, he's been consistently running second team. Uh, Dorian Gerald, up until injury, every year it seems like he's always been first team. Mm-hmm. So if you would, uh, and then you've got Dwight McLaughlin. He's all he's all the he's way on the third today. team defense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, they, they like to mix it up. McLaughlin is going to be one of the top four cornerbacks, regardless of how it shakes out. I would expect that group to be pretty 50-50 on, on the reps there, which is not what you typically see with cornerbacks. Usually they get about a starting cornerback, then they get about 80% of the reps or so. So, But I, I think they feel pretty confident in those four, and we'll see those guys rotate freely, and McLaughlin will be in that, whether he starts or is in, you know, number two guy or, or what. Jordan Dominic took a little bit of time to get adjusted. That's been said probably <laughs> – that's been said a lot. But uh, he took a little bit of time to get adjusted just to how they do things coming from Georgia Tech um, to Arkansas. They still want him to add a little bit more weight, you know, 10 pounds or so. Uh, he's probably about, I think, two. 50-ish probably right now, 245, 250. So they want him to get a little bit bigger. Um, but he's probably – Dominic and uh, Landon Jackson are, you know, among the top five defensive ends right now if you count Eric Gregory in that mix. And um, I think we'll see Eric Gregory a good bit inside at defensive tackle. But, um, you know, those – as far as, like, true defensive ends, uh, they're both, you know, among the top four guys there. And that's a position, too, you know, where I asked – um, Deke Adams today, you know, 
about how often, you know, how many plays is a starting defensive tackle and defensive end going to play for you? What's the ideal number? I've always looked at it, you know, in percentages, 60% of the snaps on defensive line, 70% for linebacker, 80% for D-backs. Uh, but, you know, he kind of just gave a number, uh, about 45 for an interior guy and then about, you know, 50 for an end. So, you know, if you figure what a college football game is about, what, 70 plays, depending on who you're playing, 70 plays these days. So mm-hmm. uh, that'd be a pretty good bit of action for the backup guys too. Obviously, most most defensive line coaches are going to tell you they want a 1A, 1B, um, you know, and just kind of say they, they split time equally. But usually it ends up being about what he said which is about probably 60% of the snaps. So you'll see those guys. If they're, if, if they're second team or first team, you know. Um, Jashad Stewart has really come on strong, too. He's been, you know, he's been a guy that might end up starting for him. Where do you put Dorian Gerald? In yeah, and Gerald, you know, with Gerald, he's got talent and ability. Uh, you know, what Sam Pittman said the other day was he's – I think, you know, maybe kind of worried about getting hurt and, you know, wants to make sure he makes it to the season. And Pittman just kind of said, look, I mean, if you're just kind of protecting yourself and you're not getting after the quarterback and stuff, then you're not going to play anyway, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that, you know, with the scrimmage, he kind of lit up a little bit and started making some plays. Um, you know, I think it was, you know, just kind of said in passing, he, he had a couple of sacks. You know, we don't, I don't know if we had it on the official seat. Unless it was like an individual tagging off the quarterback, sports information department didn't didn't get the sack, uh, you know, who had the sack exactly. So um, he could have indeed had that. But, uh, you know, he, he looks a little bit lighter to me. I think he's listed about 255. He's always been around 265 or so. Uh, so he looks a little bit lighter. And to be honest with you guys, like, if you've got a player that's, you know, maybe really skilled as a punt returner or something, uh, but he gets injured all the time, you can't really work him in there if you're concerned that you might not have him, you know, because he has an injury mm-hmm. history. And so with Dorian, I think maybe that's kind of some of that, you know, just can you can you count on Dorian to be there just because he has had so many injuries? Uh, but, you know, I think he'll play when it all comes down to it. But... I think you also have to think about we got to get these other guys ready to go. Let's talk with uh, Ace. Ace, good afternoon. You have a question or comment for Trey. I do. Thanks for taking the call and good evening to you guys. Trey, real quick, just in general terms, looking at, look at the Cincinnati game, is there an area where they might have an advantage over us? I've, I mean, I've done a little checking, but you guys know a lot more than I do, you know, uh, and by that I mean their, their offensive line versus our D line, uh, their their receivers versus our D back, something like that. Is yeah. there an area where you think they might be better than us? And I'll uh, I'll uh, take a, a flyer here and listen to you. Thanks. Yeah, Thank I'm you, going to give you a terrible answer. It's the hmm. same answer that a coach is going to give you. Um, but they are focused on getting better right now, and I'm kind of focused on on them. I have not really dove into Cincinnati. I know they return a good bit on the, the offensive line. I know from a historic standpoint, since Mark D'Antonio's been there, since Brian Kelly was there ages ago, Bush Jones. I mean, there's a long list of coaches that had a lot of success at Cincinnati and parlayed that job into you know a job in a Power Five conference. So it's not like they were a flash in the pan last year. They have had a lot of success. Um, as Sam Pittman was saying at the touchdown club, you know, he was he was walking up with five other coaches for 
uh, a coach of the year award to announce. And he said before he even got to his, his ex where he was supposed to stand, they were already showing highlights of Luke Fickle up on the big screen. He could eat one. <laughs> he said he's got to just turn around and went behind the cur- curtain. Um, so, you know, Luke Fickle obviously is a very well-regarded coach. He was mentioned a little bit for this job when, you know, Sam Pittman was hired. Mm-hmm. But he was he was discussed a little bit about uh, a possibility for the Arkansas job. It didn't last long. It was a day or two, you know, I feel like, where his name was popped up. It just um, – I don't know if he didn't have interest or didn't view him as a, as a fit, you know, being where he's from and everything. But uh, he's a really good coach, and that's a program that has been really strong. Uh, I know at quarterback they've got a competition going on. The starter, or excuse me, not the starter, but the guy who backed up uh, Ritter last year is battling the guy who backed him up the year before that. The guy who backed him up the year before that had transferred from Cincinnati to Eastern Michigan, threw for like 3,000 yards over there, and then transferred back to Cincinnati. And so they have a, a competition going on between those two quarterbacks. Um, and, you know, I know they lost nine players to the NFL draft, which is a high number for them for any school. Uh, one of the defensive backs they had was a Thorpe Award winner. I believe he was one cornerback, and then the other was a first-round draft pick. The Thorpe Award winner wasn't a first-round draft pick, so they had two really good cornerbacks they got to replace. Um, you know, and from a recruiting standpoint, uh, this is from a poster on our, our message board to just average it out. You know, they averaged the 51st best recruiting class in the country over the last four or five years. So, you know, they are – a program that develops guys. They're not going out there and beating out, uh, you know, a lot of power five teams. They're not bat- doing battle with Ohio State. You know, they they develop guys for their system. So that's about all I could tell you right now. I just kind of really like good, the team though. just been focused in on on Arkansas right now. We'll you get there. Really though. good though. For I, I said a little bit more than I thought I knew. I guess I I looked at him a little bit over the summer too. <laughs> All right, try this from our Asher Record Service Company live feed and feedback. Chubby says, after Drew Sanders, who is the second best edge rusher? Right now, I would say probably Jashad Stewart. He's got a, a great motor. Um, as they kind of say, he just he just never stops. He just keeps going and going and going, and that's a good trait to have as a defensive end. You know, he has some limitations as far as size. He's not exceedingly tall, probably 6'2". Some say might be built more like a linebacker. He's got, you know, a minus on his wingspan, which you don't really see that often with athletes at this age. So he's got, you know, his wingspan is shorter than he is tall, so shorter than 6'2 for his his arms. So not really built like what you think of when, you you know, think of a defensive end who goes usually, you know, at least 6'4 and really long arms and long torso. Those are usually kind of the traits of somebody, you know, more prototypical defensive end. Um, but mentality-wise, he is a defensive lineman, and uh, he's probably he's, from what everybody said. You ask any anybody on the team or a coach, they probably spit Shad Stewart's name out first. And then this from Piggy Smalls, question for Trey: What do you think was the Hogs' most impressive win last year? For me, it's a toss-up between Texas A&M and Penn State. You know, Penn State, I just felt like kind of let up. Like they were almost, I don't know, I, I wasn't just blown away with, with Penn State. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Yeah. Um, Texas sure was sweet. I mean, just the way that they beat them. Uh, oh, I really yeah. felt that game wasn't even as close as the score. No. Beating Texas A&M after 
those challenges that they've had with Texas A&M, that's got to be up there. I might go with Texas A&M. It was, a, again, another game that may have been a little bit closer. You know, if uh, Kern didn't drop that, you know, touchdown pass uh, from Hornsby when Hornsby was in there. And that's another thing. You lost KJ and Hornsby had to come in. But, um, you know, it, it might have looked a little prettier uh, with the final score. But Arkansas got that win and stopped. How many years was it? I don't even want to think about it. I don't want to think about the last 10 years before Pittman got here. But it was a long streak. I, I think I would probably say that Texas A&M game was, was pretty – pretty well executed you know offense defense and it wasn't you know i mean in a in a lot of ways the fans at uh razorback stadium you know in a lot of ways just kind of almost seemed to will arkansas to victory there and they didn't they had a half that crowd but they were also dealing with texas a&m crowd in arlington so as far as most impressive i might go with the a&m sounds good to me all right, Trey, we will talk to you tomorrow. That's Trey Biddy of hogsports.com being brought to you by Asher Wrecker Service Company. Drive Time Sports will continue in a moment.